Uh, hey, Tom, are you watching that new show, uh, The Last of Us? Have you seen that yet? No. What's What's that about? Well, hold on. First off, I just want to be real clear. This isn't like a sponsored ad. This isn't like a podcast starting with an ad because we don't have the pull for that. This is a le- just legit me expressing my own opinions as a consumer. Just want to be clear about that right off the bat. All right. But it's good. It's really good. This show it's called Last of Us. It's a it's a new spin on zombies that I like. It's a realistic one, uh-huh. and evidently uh, uh, it's based off a video game that I never heard of or never played. But those who do say it's faithful to it. It's a uh, it's got a Walking Dead vibe to it, right? It's twenty years after you know a zombie collapse, and they're not zombies per se. Uh, but it's fungal. It's fungus rising up and taking over. And it's fucking scary. It's fucking scary. Now, when I was uh, when I was a kid, we used to make video games out of movies and TV shows. Now it, it appears that it's the other way around. That's true. That is true. That is true. Do you, you, you sound a little bit like Sarah. Sarah said that the other day, uh, which she is, you know, even though she's younger than me, she's spiritually 50. Right, right. Right. And she was like, look at that. Made off a video game. I just never thought I'd see the day. <laughs> and she reminded me of her old grandma in Missouri living out on a farm. Like, look at this. They're making talkies out of, out, of, out of rolling dice. Sarah's grandma is played by Wallace Shawn. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, she not. Oh, she came over. She's man. She heard that. She needs me to go fuck myself. All right, so we'll I'll okay. do that shortly after after we finish recording. We can do that during our break. But we're gonna act like like they didn't make a Super Mario Brothers uh, film franchise. Right, right. Well, here, okay. Uh, here's what I think is cool about what you just described to me: uh, the fact that it's a fungus mm-hmm. is making me think of this this real world thing that's happening. Uh, more and more people are living to be old you know and i just i just had a big birthday and in old age there have been a a few people that i know in my social circle who they were afraid that they were getting dementia oh yeah and what was actually happening is they had a bladder infection and when you get to a certain age while your body's battling a bladder infection you're gonna act like a crazy person and say some crazy stuff well, I was not prepared for that. I didn't know that fighting a, a bladder infection or assuming any large infection makes you. The uh, older you are, the more it's going to make you appear to be crazy when the truth is all you need is some cranberry juice. <laughs> and some amoxicillin. So, yeah. So here's the, uh, you know, before you institutionalize your relatives, Make sure check them for infection, battling an infection. Yeah. Well, so I'm the, not prepared for so that. the virus uh, or the uh, the fungal zombie thing. Mm-hmm. It, it makes perfect sense to me, dude. You got to uh, I, I know you, you you don't really jump on and watch all the hot series like everyone else does. I don't. But, you know, I love the science of science fiction. That's like for, my favorite thing. for that. I know you got HBO. You got rich people cable. You got next year's HBO already. Oh, yeah. You, you've already seen how the Oscars uh, end. 
which is pretty inside, impressive. Inside the gate, we have a party. It, 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 it's very nice. <laughs> uh, but watch like the first five minutes of the first episode when it's uh, it's set on a TV show in the in the 1960s. Like I think it's 1968, oh, okay. where it's like a Charlie Rose type show, and this uh, scientist is being interviewed about threats, and lays out the whole thing that happens 50 years later. It's 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 awesome. It'll give you the chills. It'll give you the chills. It's very very good. You know, uh, us uh, rich people, we don't just get the Oscars a year in advance. I get In Memoriam a year in advance. Oh, that's impressive. That's yeah. impressive. That's impressive. R.I.P. Steve Buscemi. Right, right. Uh, one day, uh, somebody's going to see themselves in there. <laughs> in the memoriam? In, in memoriam. They, they get probably do. I think David Crosby saw himself in it. They got a year. they got a four year consideration screener of in memoriam. <laughs> <laughs> that's got to be pretty good. Well, that's I think David Crosby must have seen himself in it he because he be. literally had a final tweet that was like, "All right, I'm dying, I'm going to heaven." Heard it's cloudy or something like that. Yeah. Right. So that's a yeah, that is impressive. All right, let's get this thing started. You ready? Yes, I am ready. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the After Later podcast. I'm your host, John Wesling. Joining me as always, my co-host, uh, the 50-year-old Tommy Drake. If he sounds different, you'll that must be what it is. It's like the Wil- Wilford Brimley effect is now. Uh, you've crossed the Wilford Brimley Rubicon, Tom. Seen, so, seen things. I've heard things in my life. Different yeah. yeah, you really are. You see, you're sitting up straighter. Yeah. You actually bugged me about recording earlier, which no, means you're you know you're getting up earlier. You were already kind of a get up early guy. Yeah. Now I'm a, now it's required. Do you brag to others about how early you got up? No, I, you know, it's almost like a, like a Harris Whittles humble brag. I try to roll I try to roll mm. it into something else I'm talking about. Oh yeah. Well, you know what? I think the next hump that you have hey, to get yeah, over. You know, there was, there was no line for that omelet lady at 6 a.m. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah no really, 55 about it's about the omelet lady it's not about how early i'm up right no 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 so i'm saying 55 is the next one uh, 55 is when you get a little crotchetier yeah more crotchety I, I blame that on the aarp i think they arbitrarily chose 55 as the we're going to start giving you a early bird special discount yeah yeah and that's when you'll start t- you'll, you'll start busting my balls more I mean, this is a big jump for us, Tom, which I don't think we've had since I was 24 and you were 26 or 7, where we are now in different demographic groups. Oh, yeah. Got to check a different box when yeah. we're signing up for stuff. You know? You're 50 to 65. I'm still 35 to, to 50. Yeah. Yeah. So, well, I don't know. You think, I hope the, hope the podcast lasts. Listen, or maybe it gives us extra perspective. You never know. Maybe it will double our audience. We really could. What? It's not that hard to do. It's not that hard to do. Just an extra elevator worth of people, and boom, we're we're growing at an exponential rate, Tom. Yeah, but now our podcast is us showing each other stuff from the other one's generation. <laughs> All right. Well, Tom, you know, I I hope that you uh, uh, stay positive in your in your latter years now um because you know i i try to stay positive it's one of the overriding themes that i have on after later 
is that in spite of this world of shit we all think we live in, things have never been better. I would agree. Things have never been better. Things have never been better. As much as we uh, hate it and it's a sadistic, fucked up, mean world, guess what? It always was and it was worse. Uh, John, before <laughs> before we go any further, uh, there was another uh, drastic change when I turned 50. Uh, oh, what, what's that? Uh, and it's important before we start talking about this. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, uh, before the age of 50, I would just... Uh, I would theorize. Uh, I would throw out ideas. Now I'm absolutely certain about everything I say. So. Oh, that's great. Yeah, so oh, it's make congrats. Later, a little different, right? Oh shit, that's well, that stepped up the stakes. Now I didn't know we had expert testimony. Bigfoot definitely meat suits used by aliens. Uh, I'm move. fucking glad you said that. I'm glad. No, no longer a theory. I feel like we can move forward now. Yes, this is awesome. I think that's been something that's, that's held back a lot of cryptozoology and a lot of ancient alien type shows and things like that is they these they still have to hem and haw with the this may be could possibly be spot postulated that it may have possibly been. No, nah, no nah, fucking certainty now, baby. Fucking certainty. Crop circles are messages from the future. Absolutely. Duh. No argument anymore. All right, I'm liking this. I'm liking this new Tom. So, um, the world has never been better. I know there's mm-hmm. something you wanted to talk about here, but I just wanted to let you know that whatever I say about this, I'm going to be certain of it. Oh, good. Excellent. Excellent. Well, I, I you know, in my uh, doom scrolling, which is, is my number one activity, uh-huh. I doom scroll. It's uh, soothing to my anxieties, if not also the cause of said anxieties. Right. Uh, but yeah, sometimes I just try to get to the bottom of the internet and then on whether it's Twitter, Facebook, fucking reddit instagram doesn't matter i'm just gonna keep going i'm just consuming information at a at a breakneck pace and every now and then something jumps out at me right and i'm we're gonna talk more about that the the fungus apocalypse too because that's pretty badass uh but you know my constant overriding theme the things have never been better on planet earth uh i saw this thing uh, i think what is this what, what site is this hold on i'm trying to see uh, anyway, the, the, the headline is five ways that we all live like royalty, uh-huh. how our fantasy world of the past has become everyday reality. And these are good things to think of. It's a good thing to keep things in perspective, right? When you feel the pressures of the world crushing on you and you think you're, you're just desperate and all going to shit, you have to remember, hey, number one on the list, climate controlled housing. Oh. Uh. You don't have to go back far at all to where everyone was suffering from the weather. Yeah. Any sort of inclement weather, you were just taking it on the chin. You had to be royalty to have an indoor castle with with fireplaces. And even then they were drafty and stunk. And you know, if it got up to if you could get it up to 55 degrees, you felt like you were you were the king, right? Sure. Now, every one of us pretty much living comfortably between the Temperatures are 65 and 73 degrees. Yeah, it's interesting that you mentioned 55 uh, because uh, it's it's weird that our comfortable room temperatures ride about 70 degrees because uh, we're now finding some archaeological sites uh, in Turkey in particular, but in other places where there's some elaborate tunnels that were dug mm-hmm. down uh, underground. And if you go underground about about 20 feet and you have uh, even soft rock tunnels, the temperature in those tunnels stays at about 55 degrees year round, regardless of the temperature on the surface. Which is lovely. That's hoodie weather. Yeah. 
And right. so it would make uh, perhaps a cardigan. It would make more sense if that was our room temperature. An Afghan rug. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And uh, so, uh, so, but that was a way that people 11,000 years ago found out they could have a climate controlled life was the ones that were smart enough to dig their little uh, rock caves, you know, 20 well, feet down. But their climate controlled life was a chilly one. It mm -hmm. was at 55 degrees. And they which, which is not bad at all. But look at, look at how, uh, uh, discomfort drives um, uh, invention. Invention, right? Oh, yeah. So it's so miserable living out here in this desert, getting cooked, that we're going to dig with primitive tools in just straight down into the bedrock, into the into the limestone. Sure, comparatively, it was easier to to dig through and carve through because of the sandstones and, and shit like that. But it ain't great. It's still fucking stone. Well, yeah, it's well, still it's, hard to do. It starts. You naturally takes to shelter somewhere where there's a riff from a storm, and you realize oh, it's always about the same temperature up against this rock. Yeah, you know, yeah. We can dig this out a little bit. What if we made our own cave? Yeah, exactly. And the some of the caves they're uncovering now are just uh, really cool, elaborate. Oh know? yeah, like like full on ant farms, like ant colony. Yeah, yeah. Style and, and they're finding they're finding tunnels, you know, four or five miles long that are connecting, you know, one set of caves to another. Of course, so, I, I, I saw control things very important. So it's yeah, a very big deal. We it's are a very big. Like, deal. We are living like kings. We are living like kings, dude. I have two machines on the other side of this wall that push and suck in processed air to my liking i have one for the downstairs one for the upstairs i mean i got dual climate control what am i what am i a fucking international space station what am i what am i on mount olympus yeah this is, this is living yeah. beyond kings we're living like gods yeah. like gods so that's a good one so think about that you know when you're looking at mountains of crushing debt when you're looking at you know bleak political futures for your chosen party or your family and shit like that oh oh hey could be worse less than 100 years ago i'd be wrapped in fucking wool and sweating to death and getting uh killed by mosquitoes right right which is uh which you, i'd much rather have oppressive credit card debt than get killed by mosquitoes mm -hmm. here's another thing here's and another Right. Here's another one on that list that goes, I think, very well with the climate-controlled uh, houses, right? Uh, just per square foot, even the even poor people nowadays have uh, twice as much space as even wealthy people did before. Oh, yeah. Oh, you yeah. see that a lot when you see, like, older traditional houses, and you're like, oh, this was an estate that belonged to this fucking, you know, super rich person. You're like, really? It's a 1,200-square-foot fucking house. Yeah. They still lived four to a room. This is ridiculous. Yep. Here's the porch that they slept on at night when, you know, you're like, oh, really? That's fucked up. But here's another thing uh, where the modern world has never been better than, than it has uh, ever been before. Here you and I are, Tom, simple plebeians, right? We are, we are middle class, the great unwashed. You're, you're richer, but still in the long term. We're, we're still we're still middle class. I'm yeah, not, we're middle class, just regular people. Beyond middle class. You know what we have that even royalty hardly had several hundred years back? What's that? Private place to have sex. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You realize how much outdoor fucking there was up until about I don't know, night World War II. Right. It was more dangerous to fuck outdoors than indoors. Yep. 
right? People didn't have privacy like like we do now. No. People didn't have. I got the three rooms in this house. I can knock one out in. They didn't have. Uh, they didn't have penicillin or prophylactics either. Absolutely. Uh, well, they're, they're skipping ahead on the list here. Oh, I apologize. But just just the basic, the fact that you have a, a private room, or the fact that you could basically freely as an adult explore sex in a safe environment you know that's that's what me taking it a step further you know uh well, without being a the crown prince of of uh, france or some shit like that where you have your own estate where you can laze about and yeah you, you know, know but even even the crown prince of france the advantage that we have that that he didn't is is uh he was uh raping people he was <laughs> yeah, he well, was yeah. he was sending service out servants out to gather up his fantasy mm-hmm. we don't have to you could just post something online and say oh you know i'm really really interested in uh doing this with somebody any takers and you'll get well, messages you know here, so it doesn't have to be it can be you can uh, live out your fantasies consensually which is <laughs> which is uh, hey that's uh that's a um innovation a, of the 21st century it gives you a more pleasant afterlife <laughs> uh this is something i found interesting in this uh article it's uh reading from the article here it says in societies where family lineage determines who rules the land proving lineage is of the utmost importance but since wow. dna tests were many centuries away proving that the man and woman were in, in question were the true parents required a notary of sorts when you're royalty Sex is not just sex. It's an official act of extending the bloodline, the royal bloodline, which is a matter of the state. So it must be confirmed. That meant that royal sex required a witness. Right. I think that's an excellent job. Yes. To have. I think it's actually probably quite an honored job to be the member of court who... When you go to a museum, ask us ask to see the royal exhibit. Yes. <laughs> well, I don't know what that position would be called. Probably a notary private. <laughs> oh, I like it. <laughs> right. That seems like that would. Well, I do know that that's that's where the the tradition from the, uh, you know, they would uh, they would put the uh, the marital bed sheets outside mm-hmm. of the house to to prove a that she was a virgin and b that the act happens so when yeah right wrong, we know whose kid that is you know? yeah so there was otherwise a, like why are they hanging the national flag of japan there is a tradition <laughs> of broadcasting the sex but there was an interesting and this is an after later thing to talk about we could talk about it another time there was a first generation of people that realized oh sex leads to babies there were there was a, a couple of generations of people living communally that weren't sure where the babies were coming from. <laughs> oh, like like they really thought it was two separate acts. Like, hey, we're all just humping because we're on this giant burlap bed to stay warm. And oh, look, do. look, Cheryl's pregnant. Oh, we've been blessed by the stork. But there oh, was the, imagine I being if those like, two things are connected. That's uh, imagine being the first person who's like, hey guys, I think I figured something out. <laughs> <laughs> I and think, everybody else everybody else is like yeah i don't i don't agree with you <laughs> like hear me out hear me out i know it's gonna sound weird here <laughs> but karen she didn't she didn't get pregnant at all yeah <laughs> and no one was fucking her <laughs> we all took a couple shots over here at cheryl and now she got like three babies so i'm just thinking yeah maybe next time so she's think- having a baby let's fuck her and see if she has a baby right so that for, was for science <laughs> for science purposes 
Um, yeah, so oh, here's never been better in that respect. No question. Here's another one. Uh, do you enjoy the fact that as you go about your day in public and private, that not everything smells like shit? <laughs> you know, I haven't, I haven't noticed, but now that you mention it, you haven't noticed it because that's, I tell you what, you don't have to go back more than about 50 years to where most of humankind in congregation, in cities, in areas of anyone, anytime you got more than about a dozen people living near each other, there's going to be some shit smell all oh, over yeah. the place, oh, yeah. all over the place. Uh, why do you think there's perfume now? Why do you think they invented perfume in the first place? Right. To cover up the smell of B.O. and shit right. all over the place. So there you go. You live in an age where uh, plumbing, modern sanitation takes all of our smelly, unhealthy shit and gets it far away. Now, what it does with it after that, is that your concern? Maybe, maybe not, right? But they give assurances that they take care of it, and boom, you you, get, you turn on, water comes out, dude goes down the pipe, disappears friendly. You don't have to live. You don't, have, you, don't, you don't have to spend at least an hour or two hours a day doing the chore of removing your own waste from your premises. Right. Right. That's huge. That's huge. It's a big deal. Think about all the great moments of history and the great figures of history. Just know that when they were alive, walking around, it smelled like shit. I know that it. it's, it's not that many generations ago that uh, Benjamin Franklin was sort of uh, uh, known for his, his second story shitter that he kind of designed where you you walk up the stairs you go into a little room and it's uh and your your poop dropped about 30 feet into a into a basically septic tank that he that he built for himself yeah. and he was experimenting throwing different chemicals in there to see <laughs> what would best do it you know as as his ones want yes and and of course the early uh you know the early folks that uh that started settling near rivers and moving bottles, uh, bodies of water, mm -hmm. uh, they would say, ah, you know, take, take the shit over there, you know, let's leave the shit over there. Yeah. And then they realized, oh, wait, all these great plants are growing over there where our shit is, you know, mm. and they were the first, the first farmers realized, hey, hang on, the best, the best mushrooms grow out of our shits, you know, the best, uh, all the best crops are grown out of our shit. Who, who's braver, the prehistoric man who ate the first mushroom? Or the uh, the next one who was the first man or woman who ate the tomato that grew in the pile of shit. Um, okay, now these uh, you're 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 hitting a nerve here. Uh, when I see these memes, they upset me a little bit. Uh, no, that's the fifty year old in you. This this is what upsets getting me. mad at memes. The the first guy that drank milk wasn't a crazy pervert. <laughs> All right. The first guy, the first guy that, that drank milk, his first instinct out of the womb was to suckle. Right. And he saw a calf drinking milk and he saw a bull and he thought maybe that milk will make me bigger. He was actually a very logical thinker and not a freak. I think it's a big the jump to want to suckle people, a different species in your own though. But to get milk when it's not available from another species is not a big jump when you're seeing other animals drink it. Okay. Okay. I'm with you. you know, I'm with you. My baby needs milk. The mom is not here, but that calf is drinking milk out of that cow. If I can get some of that milk for my baby, it will stop crying. I think that's an intelligent move. And I think mm -hmm. it makes perfect sense, especially when you're living alongside these animals. 
living alongside animals is also how we decided uh, which plants and which mushrooms to eat. Now, now the Neanderthal stomach was a monster, all right? The early yeah. man stomach was a monster compared to ours. Right. They could survive a taste of the wrong plants. They, would, they could vomit and poop and be okay the next day, a taste that would kill you or I. Mm-hmm. So this isn't a, or, or you or me, this wasn't, this isn't a super <laughs> brave, brave, uh, or, or a crazy person. This is somebody that's observing the, the forest that they're living in. Right. right. Um, I would be worried though, yeah. in a nomadic situation that if you are the one who's stricken with the shits that you get left behind and are, you know, vulnerable to, to, to predators really. Right. Right. Uh, but I do think that as you pointed out shit was such a huge part of early life especially when people started living communally mm-hmm. that the uh that stuff growing out of it and using stuff growing out of it uh doesn't seem as as gross or unusual as it does to us now because back then you would have had a pile of shit just outside your door even if you had a mm-hmm. house John. oh yeah now, yeah. as you as you so eloquently described, our shit gets taken away, and it has been since we were babies. So we have a different view of shit because it is something that has been that we've been forced away from us our whole lives. Oh and yes. Earlier, man had a view of shit like that's a it's a pile outside, and it's you know, and it's what we use to grow the tomatoes. It used to be commonplace, and it used to be useful, and now it's taboo. Right, it's oh, yeah. and if, it's verboten. Uh, it's ugh. early. Uh, early bricks and early mud huts had uh, had human shit in animal feces wrapped into the brick. Man, everything had shit in it. Yeah, everything had. You couldn't get rid of shit. Sometimes that was. It's like it's like lead in China. It's like right. they got it. It, it. Of course, it's going to find its way into things. It's literally everywhere. I do know of uh, uh, good documented evidence of. Uh, uh, tribesmen that were lighting and smoking dried turds oh. and apparently made you a little bit high but smoking smoking dried turds out of pipes when you got nothing else to smoke like that was their relationship with shit that is uh, there's a lot going on there first off good for them for drying it out oh, of course you know you don't want to light a wet turd you can't you can't you know it's not gonna <clears throat> but still i don't know who i think but you know where that comes from right is you just you got a fire going what are we gonna do with these dry dried turds throw them in the fire see what happens yeah oh then... that was a great party that night you think it's the turd smoke that got us all high <laughs> it might be let's dry some more turds and try like i don't think it takes a long time to get there and I don't think it takes a long time to get there when you're a hungry person and beautiful tomatoes are growing out of the poop pile. I don't, Tommy, think, I don't think that's brave at all. I think that's just hunger. Tommy, you and I are, are pretty brave people. You know what I mean? We're adventurous. We're, yeah, yeah. we're, we're, we're willing to put our, we're not ugly Americans. You know, we travel, we eat the local foods. We observe local customs. You know what I'm saying? We, we tackle uh, humankind's largest fear 400 times a year. Right. Uh, let's say we're somewhere and they're like, hey, man, local delicacy here. They smoke dried shit and it says they get some pretty high. You taking a try? You taking a taking a hit on the old doo-doo bong? Absolutely. Really? Without if hesitation? Local, if it is the local custom, 
even knowing in the back of my head, I might hit it and I might be like, ah, he fell for it. You know, even, oh, yeah. even, even I know it might be a prank for the new oh, guy. Like absolutely. the, like the flugel horn full of powder at Chilkoot Charlie's. Yes. They tell you and, to blow it and it blows in your face. And my answer to this question has nothing to do with poop. As a traveler, when the locals invite you to participate in their local custom, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. That is the, that is the, at the very least, that dude hit the poop pipe when he was here. That guy is not afraid. You know, I, I'm with you, but I also believe in doing a little bit of advanced research. All right. And if we're going somewhere, you want to read up and let, you know, these things that, that would definitely be on the internet. Like if we're going somewhere and that region was known for smoking dried turds yeah, and it got them high. Like you ever drink the coffee that's made out of the coffee beans that pass through the, pass through the lemur. I have not, but I, I have no problem with that. I would have no problem with that either. I don't think there's going to be floaty Duke in it. Smoking a turd. Woo, that's a different animal. I mean, we literally, it's a different animal. Yeah. But we, I mean, we consume, uh, stuff that's that's worse we, we consume all parts of all animals you know in our in our foods you know we're not very not little turds usually well not not the turds no but you've probably accidentally eaten a shrimp that wasn't deveined oh absolutely well I've there had, you go i've mm, taken a bite of the doo-doo vein that's yeah that's... yeah you know so <sighs> it's it's but you're gonna you're gonna survive it is what i'm saying it's not well, let's hope yeah, let's hope. All right, let me switch it up here. The last one on this list, and I think it's a great one, and I think it's a palate cleanser, which is what we need here now. Um, one of the things that's magical in the modern age, uh, sugar. Do you like the way things taste? Do you like having candy treats? Do you like having, you know, like having a sweet tooth? Well, up until about 200 fucking years ago, the only sugars that came from anything were fruit, and that was just as rare. So if you like sweet flavor, you are living in the golden age. Now, obviously, as sugar has become more prevalent, actually too much so, um, there's obviously health things and problems that go with it. But uh, uh, culturally speaking, evolutionarily speaking, uh, sugar problems are a champagne problem, right? Uh, you know, sugar-based diabetes issues and overweightness, that doesn't happen 500 years ago because uh well first off you don't live past 45 usually and uh you're only going to be relatively healthy and good shape till you're about 16 and then rickets and shit start setting in because your diet's crap and your shit's everywhere so the fact that we are uh, me in my 40s you in your 50s are still able to be self-ambulatory and don't have shit around us all the time and can have a sugary treat a little spoonful of sugar in our coffees that's a that's a that's a massive massive leap forward you know uh and this i i think that my knowledge of this comes from a stephen baxter novel who's a pretty good science fiction writer on the science side um that with the ph or uh uh, yeah stephen with a ph our gathering instincts and the availability of sugar is the reason why we have you know lower class people that are overweight why we have why why our homeless can be fat there's an interesting thing uh, among the gatherers uh, think about a strawberry right right a strawberry is only sweet on the vine for 
a couple of days, right? While it's getting ripe, it's it's bitter. And when it's past ripe, it's vinegar. You know, I've ever yeah. accidentally taken a bite of it. It's goo. So if you come across a fruit in the forest and you take a little taste and it's sweet, your instinct is to eat all of it that you can grab. <laughs> yes. Get everybody else and say, let's eat all of this fruit right now because it's not going to be good if we take it off the vine in a right. day. It's not going to be good. So when you're going through your day and your kid comes home and says, oh, look, they gave us a candy bag and you take a bite of a mini Twix bar, your gatherer instinct says, I need to eat everything sweet that's in my vision right now. Before it goes bad. Before it goes bad. I've used that rationale to polish off a whole bag of Halloween candy on and November 15th. And a Twix bar is not going bad. Right, that makes sense. That totally makes sense. That's a, that's a like you said, it's an evolutionary marker. It's a... Our it's a, generation it's an hasn't caught up to our availability our availability to sugar. Well, it hadn't been that long. It hasn't been. Evolution moves over many thousands of years. We were hunter-gatherers 3,000 years ago, if you believe modern uh, archaeology. Doc, trying to kick that ant mound. Let's let's back away from that. And, one. and the reason why the reason why spicy candies and uh, sour candies exist is mm -hmm. to help you deal with this uh, with your body. Like I need something, you know, because you can't when you eat a sour candy or a spicy one, it's hard to just binge eat it like a sweet candy, you know, because right, it gets too hot. Ooh, what about gum? Uh, gum is think a about it trick. gum sweet stays sweet and you keep chewing it which tells your lizard brain that you are feasting on it yeah. you're just continuously eating you're just chewing that gum it tastes like hubba bubba yeah some of the uh the desert runners in mexico to keep from being dehydrated before they had gum would pick up little pebbles and put them in their mouth and while they're running, the pebbles bouncing around created more of their own saliva. What? And yeah, salts? So there's always salts in stone. Yeah, and it tr it tricked their bodies into be able to running further without getting Hold water. On. Hold up, time out. You said you brought up gummy, these chewing gum evolved from that trick. <laughs> I gotta go. Time. I gotta call time out. Time out. Did I miss an episode? Because you just brought up the desert runners, like that's a thing we talk about all the time. What the fuck are you talking about? The desert runners of Mexico? I've never heard of the desert, uh, like the adventure runners, or is this the, like an old tribe thing? The Terra Humera tribe. They are the uh, they are the greatest natural long distance runners on the planet, and uh, they're down there. But there are tribes in Africa that how come I yeah? You know, let's say I don't see fucking Terra Humera winning the Boston Marathon. Uh, I I think uh, Albert, desert runners they should be winning the fucking Paris Dakar rally. I think I think Albert Kimari might have won the Boston Marathon. Uh, let me check this real quick. But I the think desert Mar has run has run a marathon. Let's see. Uh, Dude, are these coyotes? Is this why our border is open? Are these guys just marathon winner hauling ass like Speedy Gonzalez across the Arizona border. Uh, now these guys are better at running even further than. Uh, than uh a marathon distance oh okay well hold up it's oh, what's uh, their 40 time or like an 8 3 40 uh, are they joggers a 50 kilometer race you know uh oh, i didn't know this was going to be metric dude i'm not prepared. Uh, 31 miles okay uh 23 year old tara Humera woman wins the 31 mile race 
uh, in sandals. <laughs> in sandals. <laughs> yes. Uh, Miguel, Miguel Laura is a great, uh, uh, a, a wonderful runner who's uh, who's of the Terra Humera lineage. Do they look athletic or do they just look like regular? No, that's the funny thing. That's the funny part. They look, is they they look, look like Steve Buscemi. Well, they uh, they look. Uh, let me get you back on the screen so I can see your face. <laughs> you got to see me react to this. <laughs> yeah. uh, they look. Uh, what's the term? Like they have a low center of gravity. They look a little bottom heavy. They look like kind of, uh, kind of like round day laborer Hispanic people. Well, that's that's lovely. But, they can run they fucking go forever and they're running in the desert which means thorns they got to have like hard ass feet like well and when you think about it the direct sun the reflective sun the difficult uh terrain yeah. might not be best for the collegiate six foot 230 <laughs> you think you think it might be tough it might be better to have a little more meat on your bones to be a little thicker if you're gonna attack that you know that's crazy um but yeah the if you if you the pre-date of the of the chewing gum is this mm -hmm. pebble in the mouth trick that people used to get back to what we were talking about that is brilliant that is brilliant all right so <laughs> You fucked me up with the whole Mexican uh, desert runners. I didn't know that was a thing. Sorry. You brought it up like we've been talking about it. The Terra Humera. Is that it? Did I say that correctly? Yeah, the Terra Humera. Uh, I, and that's actually probably a, probably an insulting. Nickname. Oh, is that? Oh, shit. Is that a slur? I apologize. I don't know if it's a slur. I mean, what does Terra? Yeah, what's, what do they prefer to be called? I don't want to. Please hold. Uh, they live in, in Chihuahua, Mexico. Oh, come on now. Now you're just uh, setting me up for a thousand jokes. Where night is the day of the moon. Uh, oh, uh, Ra, uh, Raru Mari, or Raru Murray. Okay. Like no. Bill Murray? Uh, uh, yes. Ra, Raru Murray? Raru Murray. All right. Uh, you got to spell it. If you're looking at it, spell it so I can write it down. Spell uh, it. R A R A M U R I. R A R A M U R I. Yeah. Rara Muri. Yeah. Rara Muri means foot runner or light feet or they who walk well. I think it's considered kind of a, a slang to call the Terra Humera Rara Muri. Well, which one's the slang? Is Terra uh, Humera the Rara Murray's the slang? Terra Humera is 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 the correct name. But is it slang cool or slang 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 uh, slang? Well, think about slander. think about slang words that we have for certain tribes. Uh, it's oh, cool yeah. or it's bad depending on who's saying it and how they're saying it. Gotcha. Yeah. All right. Well, what if the dealer's showing sixteen? Okay. And I got an eight and a five. Well, the the book says that you hit that. But I would I would stand. Oh yeah, people would be mad at me. See, your stands on thirteen. Okay. Uh, the indigenous people of the Sierra Madre region. Uh, if you're a fan of ESPN's Thirty for Thirty, once again, this is not a sponsored show, and this is not a commercial. Oh, this is a legit. ESPN's Thirty for Thirty has a has a wonderful episode about the Tarahumara people. Okay. All right. 
you know what uh we spun out of control here but i think i think the moral of the story is that things have never been better tom things have been you know better. think about it you don't have to live like the terra humera right no. if you got to go uh to the store or if you need to go get life-saving medicine you don't have to run uh 31 miles through I, I don't the know desert but i do not no. you don't have to worry about thorns jabbing into your bare flesh no you don't have to do that at all. You can sit at home in your air conditioning, right? You can make love privately. You don't have to smell shit everywhere. And there's delicious sugary treats. You're welcome. Life is good. Isn't it interesting how even though we have all of those, uh, there are people who choose uh, uh, recreationally and personally to avoid them. You know, it's it's interesting that we're still voluntarily going camping, that... There are still people whose whose fetish is to make love not privately, you mm. know. And there's still there's still folks who are you and I know people that have sworn off of sugar. That's true. That's true. I thought you were gonna say shit for a second. There's some people we know love playing with shit. Yeah, that have sworn <laughs> off of sugar. Yeah, no, you're right. right. That's the one thing that I think we have all we're all <laughs> staying there. But yeah, uh, yeah. yeah. yes, yeah, the so disregarding of shit is probably the greatest advancement in human history. So you, you know, if your if your partner wants to have uh, wants to have sex in public, maybe they're just old fashioned. They are. It really is. Like, oh well, excuse me, Duchess. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I'm a, I'm a traditionalist. I would like a, a documented witness to this. That's right. You you need the the notary private to come observe the <laughs> penetration. Do we have? <laughs> do we have confirmed? Oh yes, John is, John is campaigning hard to name this episode "Notary Private." And oh, I'm bored. I, I think Rara Muri is a strong contender. <laughs> All right, let's take a break. We'll be right back with more after later in just a second. Welcome back to the After Later podcast. I'm John Wessling. He's Tommy Drake. We. Now, return to our regularly scheduled foolishness. Uh, real quick, Tom, without any preparation whatsoever, going back to something we talked about in a previous episode, if you had to describe what we do on this here podcast in about two sentences, how would you do it go? Uh, you're a young comedian who gets invited on the road with a couple headliners, and you're just in the back seat listening. That's good. That's good. That's good. That's quick. I like it. Uh there was a guy you remember you were uh you worked with the, the fine folks at power entertainment back in the day absolutely I there did. was a guy and i can't remember his name are we uh, talking he, about bill Bowley by any chance it may i don't think so oh okay no, shout out to a, bill Bowley. where but shout out to him good dude this isn't who i was talking about they had a guy who worked with them it was kind of one of their production guys who would help you develop uh he had like a whole bunch of little workbooks and like uh schuler schumer schumer something like that yeah matt something yes yes that guy i know who you're uh, talking about. i know i'm about to i'm about to shower him with praise and it is to my own folly that i don't remember the fucking guy's name that's yeah. the story of the success arc of my career right hey that guy was really good i enjoyed working with him what was his name again and if you're wondering yeah. who we're talking about power is levity now yeah so, exactly yeah. Right. right right uh uh he had a good one he was like how would you describe your act in six words and that was a good one and i I pondered that one for a good three weeks before I find, I think I got a good one for my act or at least what it would have been in 2004 or five when, when I was meeting with this dude, 
but six words can you describe all that is tommy drake and his comedy on stage experience in six words uh my comedic answer would be verbose storyteller (laughs) (laughs) which is just two words and yes that is good you're trying to hit the under yeah, no, I'm I'm the opposite of that. Let me see. Uh, yeah, six words. Uh, Four under par on the whole. Uh, let's see. Six words. I'll give you mine while you're thinking. You think, or do you want to wait until you do yours? Yeah, give, me, give me yours while I'm thinking. Here, here's the one I have. Uh, lovable loser. Always right. Nobody listens. Oh, that's good. That was kind of my act at the time. I don't know if it's entirely the same now. I'm... I'm not always right, but it fit at the time. I thought I was always right <laughs> at 28, 29. Yeah, yeah, no, but I like that. That works for 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 six words. Uh, I don't know. I think the phrase uh, <laughs> "baby shoes for sale, never worn." <laughs> <laughs> that that's a different six. That is an excellent six words to describe it. <laughs> uh uh fresh material traditional style i think are the words that are popping into my head that's good right that's good uh because uh uh, apparently now it's weird i when i started doing comedy i started doing it exactly the way i saw it uh, of the successful people around me that were doing it yeah and now uh people are saying that my style is unique uh, hmm. because i am the only one left apparently that's doing this style <laughs> which, which i'm not we have some friends that do this too uh, carl falkenberry is a good example i yeah. feel like he and oh I yeah, yeah. A, i'll put you in carl carl somewhere. and i have a similar style and i learned a lot of what i'm doing from carl directly but we have a similar style where we'll we'll do a bit and then kind of turn do a quarter turn on our heel and talk about another topic mm-hmm. and then turn back and then there's uh there's callbacks where you didn't think there'd be which i think is traditional style but you guys both are like right-handed pitchers of similar height who share a pitching coach ah okay so we're a we're a smoltz maddox team yeah 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 exactly because i was going to suggest leo bazzoni as Mm. the as the works too the coach that groomed you so yes that would that would work out well yeah um so yeah, I think the phrase traditional style would have to be in my my six words. I like it. Yeah. I like it. You should have been, you know what, Tom? You you could have had an amazing career arc as like uh the the, the modern day game show host, right? <laughs> kind of that old uh, I did a little bit of that like Wink Martindale, uh, Martindale career. Arc. I did a little bit of that with Nickelodeon back in the day, and I could see right. that being there's a fork in the road where you went that way. Yeah, I did for a minute. Yeah. In an alternate universe, in a different timeline, in a different simulation load. You know what's interesting though? I would be so much better at that job now than I was then. I oh, didn't yeah? understand it then. Now I think I'd be a, a, an exception. But you don't you don't get that job now unless you already had it then. Right, right. Yeah, no. You know what I mean? You don't, you don't break in uh to that sort of I I call it presenting. That's kind of the British term for it, but hosting, you don't get it, break into that sort of hosting as an old person, right? Because it is a, it is a job that any young person can do, but to do it really well, you need a certain level of experience. You couldn't have hired uh, Pat Trebek or uh, not Pat Trebek, Pat Sajak or Alex Trebek 
you couldn't have hired uh, uh, Alex Trebek at you know his advanced, older, wise age off the street. He had to have grown into it the whole time. Yeah, and he and he's one of them that started working very young when he when he spoke really well and looked really good on camera. That's why he got the job initially, and then thousands of shows later, he got good at it. You know, that makes sense. I uh, jumping off here. I got a couple. I got leftovers. You know, Tom. I stumble across uh, uh, news items, things like that, all the time, and I'll tag you in it. Yeah. Right. Which yeah, the funny yeah. thing I, is, I read those articles. Uh, well. The problem is I tag you in it and then I don't have any record of it afterwards. So it's like I sent you something and then you're thinking about it. And then I forgot where it was and forgot what uh, it was. I so it. I, I, I added a step. I just, I tag you in it and I save it. So here's, oh, here's, okay. here's my boomer Gen X talk here of, you know, Sarah's in, Sarah's in the other room right now in her mind thinking, why don't you fucking use hotkeys? Right. That's one of her things. She's been mm-hmm. mad at me about the hotkeys. Okay time immemorial okay um but so anyway i got a couple of these we'll kind of zoom through it we got about another 10 minutes a a show to do okay headline here and this is going back to our our year and preview episode a startup predicts the year that the technological singularity will happen okay all right how far away you think it is you know what the well, we should reset the technological singularity. We need to define the technological singularity. It is defined here as the theoretical idea of a future moment at which AI starts to upgrade itself so rapidly that everything after that point shifts forever. So wow. essentially, when the when the, the horse no longer responds to reins, bear no longer responds to whip. You know what I'm saying? It's right. <laughs> when does the AI go? I got it, dude. Yeah, I got it from here. The moment that the self-aware computer starts making decisions to make itself more powerful is the end of everything else. So uh, that moment, I, I would predict that the prediction that you're going to read is in the uh, 15 to 30,000 year range. So oh. I will guess at 15,000 years. 15,000 years from now. Yeah, 15,000. Yeah, people think we're close to this because we're not close to this. Okay. But well, would it influence your bet if I told you that the people making the prediction was a group of Italian artificial intelligence scientists? Um, then, yes. Italian AI. Italian. That's got to be a spicy meatball right there. <laughs> I'll tell you that the, the Italian scientists are excellent at, uh, at building and servicing engines mm-hmm. uh, and making improvements on the efficiency of them. Uh, so, uh, they might, they might believe that this is going to happen a lot quicker. They might believe that it's uh, a couple hundred years from now. Well, uh, here, let me do a little bit. A couple hundred would be 200. Yeah. You're going to like this part because Marco Tromberi, CEO of the Italian AI startup, translated, he said it uh, last year at a conference in your favorite town of Orlando, Florida. Ah, yeah. He says that language is the most natural thing for humans, right? And uh, because language is so natural for humans and historically so difficult for machines to grasp, the abilities of machine to catch up with and even surpass humanity's ability to translate language could be grounds to grant a machine that does so artificial general intelligence status. So um, I guess the challenge isn't making it think 
closer to us or think independently, but for it to be able to articulate in language what it is thinking and along the timeline that our language sort of imposes, right? So you can have your AI, your badass AI, and it's just a big glowing machine that you know, spits out data and shit like IBM Blue faster than you can process it. Well, that's not, you're not going to think that's a sentient thing, even though it's because it's going so fast and it's flooding you with information. But if it could talk you through it and give like a fucking dissertation mm-hmm. of understanding, that's how you, you know, language is how we communicate understanding. Yeah. Yeah. So here's my sci-fi storyline then, John. Everybody has their uh, their speakers in the house that are listening to you, right? Yeah. Okay. We know that the AI has taken over and we need to make a plan, but there's nowhere on the planet where we can speak where they can't hear us. But we know that if we speak in metaphor, they won't understand us. <laughs> oh, oh, yes. Only going, What are we going to do about the overgrown lawn, John? <laughs> yeah. Yes, we must attack this AI with idioms. Yes, because uh, they don't understand the nuance of... Uh, you know, when I if my computer says, how's your day going? And I go, oh, just great. My computer thinks I'm having a good day. Yeah, this is another human being great. Is, another human being is like, ah, Tommy's had a rough one. You know, so that's the that's the issue that the Italian is talking about is the words taken at their meaning without the rest of language, without context is something that the computers, it's the last thing computers are going to figure out how to do. Yeah. Does a computer need to understand what we're saying to uh, f- uh, flip fully communicate, improve in itself? I don't know. It might be able to skip that step. If they can understand each other and understand their mission, they might not need to understand our language. But hmm. it's our language that's going to save us. But our language, Tom, like you said, every there's a there's microphones all over the computer. The AI is listening. Mm-hmm. language isn't just words and isn't just spoken or isn't even just written it's also physical and this is why i think the italians are going to have a breakthrough because their ai has hands ah the it italians hands. Their hands for an important reason right one hand for this one two hands for a very secret merry mangry you know so it's like i think there's other contexts and shit so let's just for example just for you know just pulling this a rabbit out of a hat Tom. Of course, now the computer's trying to fit. Why is there a rabbit in a hat? I think it's a keep speaking story. in metaphor. I was just going right. to say it's the best way for us. <laughs> Let's say there's uh, a two-man crew on a spaceship, uh, you know, running goods back and forth from Earth to Mars, and there's an AI that runs the ship, sort of like a HAL 2000, right? But this is more like the HAL 10,000. It's a hype. High- it would it would also have cameras on you as well so it could discern your language by your body language by your you know emotions movements yes your true intentions against language by what you're doing as opposed to what you're saying to go straight from space odyssey right, right. you know how was suspicious because uh home dude was doing shit that he you know he, he could see him moving <laughs> yeah as, as opposed to what he was just saying yeah. right so anyway, there. But interpreting movement is as subtle as interpreting language, you know. You know, a computer can interpret that you and I are in a physical altercation when we are playfully punching one another on the arms. True. Or mating. Exactly. Mating and fucking look the same to a computer. The same as fighting, right? It's the exact same. 
Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so here's the magic answer. Here's what the Italian scientists say, how far away we are from the technological singularity. Okay. Seven years. <laughs> not 15,000, not 200 years. That's uh, that's hysterical. But One if, life cycle of MySpace away. If we are seven years away, then I'm... I'm thrilled that I'm ignorant to how technologically advanced we are because I don't want to know if we're that close. I mean, the whole AlphaGo project that I've brought up before was these basically these guys designed a computer that learned how to play a game and beat a world champion all by itself without ever playing the game with anybody but itself. Mm -hmm. That was artificial learning. That was not artificial intelligence. That wasn't uh, AlphaGo isn't self-aware. The fact that we've gotten that far blows my mind. And that was years ago. Uh, we can get further. I mean, I think it's pretty cool that a that a John Deere tractor or Roomba, Roomba is more relatable. Mm -hmm. it, you could you could set it off. It could learn the layout of your house, and you could program it to to vacuum whenever you want. They have these unmanned tractors where you just you give them the layout, and they run by themselves. You know, yep. this, this that future is is tremendous to me. Now, when the uh, when the Roombas, you know. Uh, come on uh, come upon a, a puddle that would short them out they go around it now mm -hmm. that's a that's an improvement right when it keep making random improvements i don't think we're seven years away from a house being occupied only by a Roomba there still needs to be people involved that's what i'm saying you know it's not gonna it's not gonna go so far to to learning that it can it can function in its capacity without us and I think that's the singularity because once once the computer gets focused on making itself more powerful, giving itself more uh, storage space, that's when we're unnecessary. That's when we're just taking up space, you know. And that's when the computers start the war. Well, that's that's when we hope that they're they're dedicated to serving us and not eliminating us. Yeah, and my you know my my theory for one of the reasons why we might be in a simulation is it's a simulation run by a machine that's trying to figure out how to get the best processing power out of our universe. You know, what moves do we make that allows my future computer to have the most power and storage for processing? I think that the, uh, the eventuality of the entire universe is computer processing power. All matter and energy will eventually be uh, uh, turned to data storage, mm -hmm. which sounds like a real universe that's created a bunch of simulations to me i hope that makes sense i hope it does too yeah. i hope it does too i'm gonna have to chew and digest that slowly over the next few days uh tom let's close the show with uh this last little thing i found and i think it's useful and i i want after later to be entertaining obviously right i wanted to uh challenge people right different thoughts make you think yeah. make you think but god damn it i want it to be useful to you as well right Ooh. i want after later to save your life Ooh. and I, this jumped out at me and I, I must admit that this one caught me i was on the wrong side of this one okay uh but a very simple article says survival myths that will kill you survival Ooh. myths that can get you killed. Do you ever watch like this. Like what was that. the what was that movie? Uh man, End of the Wild, right? Yeah. Where the kid ran away, went up to Alaska and wound up uh killing a moose, and then he ate the wrong plant and he just slowly died for a month. 
Right. Remember that one? They found him. He was in a school bus and they found his letters. Yeah. And all that. Uh, he's a kid who ate the wrong. He was literally out there living in the wilderness of Alaska. If he'd have done it 20 years later, he'd have had a reality show. It would have been on Discovery Channel. Right. Sure. Uh, and just ate the wrong plant. You know what I mean? Had the, uh, thought it was this other plant based off of hand drawings and right. ate, ate something that killed him. Just ruined his entire digestive system and, and he just withered away and died. Right. And he knew he was dying for fucking days sure. of, of painful. Oh, shit. I ate the wrong bush fucking dying. Right. And that always stuck with me like, God, damn that fuck you. That's why you just I, I know you could live off of mushrooms uh, in the wood in the woods, but you eat the wrong one and you fucking kick like a fish and you're dead. Yeah. Right. And I don't know. I don't trust myself well enough to, to know which ones are the right ones and which ones aren't. Uh, so this one's this one struck a nerve with me, right? Uh, here's one that uh, this is the first one right off the bat is the one that I I guilty of thinking would work. Uh, hiding from a tornado in a freeway overpass, people think that's like that's where you're supposed to run to. Like if you're driving out in Kansas, okay, fucking twister coming, they get up underneath the the overpass like that's shelter. It actually increases your likelihood of injury and death okay I, those I, things I, tend I, to to gather uh debris uh, more than and this and, is interesting because i thought about this recently uh and you probably got this for the first time in a long time i got an official tornado warning on my phone did you get oh, your tornado warning i did i did it was very exciting okay. yeah and uh of course in your head when you read that warning in my head i thought uh bathtub mattress over you yeah. is that still the right thing to do i think so i think bathtub mattress if you can pull it off is is still a life-saving move um not for the ridiculous fantasy you're going to fly around on a magic bathtub through the air on a on a when you the know, houses get, when the houses like get, it's when the houses get pulled away the bathtub's usually in the same spot right and it's protective right? so you'll have shit piled up on top of you and the bathtub and the mattress will give you a survivable space to to, to be recovered through yeah so it's, for that it's good so that's the mattress, so good. the mattress seal is also an air filter so you're not breathing Maybe. in a bunch of dust I guess. But you're breathing in a lot of ass yeah oh yeah sucks. a lot of ass a lot of your own carbon dioxide but but the air that gets sucked through the mattress won't have all the dust well and i don't keep like I'd have to find, where am I going to find a twin size uh, mattress that's going to go directly over the tub? It's yes. not, am I going to grab the fucking California King, try yeah. to squeeze, That's that was hard enough to get up the stairs, now I got to get it into the bathroom? Call your so, neighbors, ask them to help you move a mattress. <laughs> I know, I got to go to U-Haul, rent a F-150, it's a whole fucking day <laughs> to get ready for that. So, so that one... Uh, so that's yeah. a good one. I had never heard this under a freeway overpass, but I guess that's a common somehow you'll survive it if you're under a freeway overpass. And that's not true. I it, I, it, I, it says that according to this article in uh, unknown times. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's that's actually a bad idea. It didn't offer a suggestion on what to do. So now when you're driving and you're panicking and you you're going to oh freeway overpass, that's where I'm well, supposed that's, to go. That's now a good go, question oh, for, for our listeners. Help me help me out here. If I'm on the road driving and there's a tornado style weather, what's the safest thing for me to do? Do I stay in my car? Do I get out of my car? Do I stop driving? Do I keep driving? Yeah, do I drive towards it? Do I drive away from it? Do I park somewhere? Try you to know, get in a ditch. You know, in, in my head, I, I immediately turn off 
I find a Walmart, get into the middle of that store, you know? Just I, go into Walmart? Yeah, I think go into the middle of a of a big and, building. And you know how they have the those big circular racks of clothes? That yeah. little spot in between where kids like to go? Yeah, yeah. Turns exactly. out that's the safest place. You just get inside a yeah. big thing of clearance t-shirts. Yeah, jeans, you know, jeans all, would probably be better. You know, or like I'm thinking like the the camping section where there's some big boxes and stuff like that. There's survival yeah. stuff already there. And it's as soon as windows start ba- breaking, I start building a little a, a fort? Little, little box fort around myself oh, that get down like low about the bicycles but should you hide by the bicycles oh i don't know i mean they're going to be valuable in a post-apocalyptic world but this is just a tornado we're talking about yeah just a tornado it's local at best right yeah but i i, I could be wrong if any of our listeners are going to yeah. save my life here am i am i dead because i'm looking for a big building to get into the middle of uh is there a better plan for me <laughs> if, like I'm a, if i'm on the road during this tornado i like that hey listeners Am I dead? Am I going to die? You guys, don't watch you chime in in the comments below. Save my life, please. Where should I go? Do I need a bicycle? Is this Walmart safe? What do you guys think? <laughs> you know who would know the answer to this question, I bet? That who? that might, and there's an outside chance he might be listening to us. Uh, Bart, the Reverend Bart. Bart. Oh, yeah. Bart. He would know he exactly. Would, he would know the answer to these survival questions. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay, what's next on your list? No freeway overpass. I'm good. All right, that. these are these are quicker. Do not use hot water on frostbite. You're supposed Ooh. to use body temperature or even just regular kind of room temperature okay. uh, water. But people will. Oh, I'm freezing. Let me put my hand in. And that you know makes uh, it just come apart like a hot dog. Right. Yeah. If you have frostbite, you want to gradually bring it up, put it in like you said, regular regular room temperature water, not okay. not hot water. Okay. Because that's bad for it. Uh, you can't drink from a cactus. It's a great way to give yourself that one. That one would have killed me. Yeah, that one would have killed me. I would. I would. I have in my head this idea that I could get moisture out of the base of a cactus. Uh, what you'd get would be like a sap, like an aloe juice. Okay. And it would be extremely full of glu- glucose and shit. Ah, uh, I got you. And you would shit all over the place. So now you've gone from being dehydrated to fully shitting yourself extra dehydrated and dead dead covered yeah. in your own shit and and that's going to disturb the uh the terra humera on their running path they, they well, stumble across dead americans all the time yeah trying to suck a cactus no, don't do that's that. where the steeplechase came from <laughs> that, that does make sense that helps helps with the leaping <laughs> uh and the final one okay lightning in fact does strike the same place okay yeah yeah this is a this is an old saying that's just completely inaccurate and i've known this my whole life (laughs) yeah lightning lightning goes to the the highest reactive point you know nikola tesla proved this Mm -hmm. and uh, that electricity jumps to the nearest spot so if if you're standing somewhere and lightning strikes six inches next to you it's going to happen again yeah especially if there's like a thunderstorm that's moving over you Oh, yeah. for like an hour right. and like oh it's already hit that light pole it, it could very easily and will most likely hit that light pole again because it's already kind of burned a hole right it's already established a, a track in the there are, there are standalone buildings on this planet that get struck by lightning multiple times a day continuously yep yeah. yep absolutely so don't think don't get lulled into a false sense of security if you're stuck in that situation you're like well that tree already got hit by lightning it's not going to get hit again Though it's interesting in a survival article, I don't think lightning decisions are part of survival. 
I don't think this is about it. This this isn't nothing. Drinking water out of a cactus is a whole other thing. Lightning. If lightning's going to get you, it's going to get you. You're not going to have a lot of time to think about that. It's true. Well, but you can make wise decisions in traversing uh, ground and territory and where to where to linger about to, but to, are you, are to you decrease your a, chances. Are you stuck in a storm with your family and lightning strikes a tree and you're like, let's go stand by that tree. That's <laughs> yeah, the safest no, that's not, place. That's I don't likely. think anybody's making that decision, right? Uh, that's not likely. Yeah. All right. Well, fair. Well, if we saved one life, I'll be amazed. And, and that will be enough for me. Yeah. Well, thank you, ladies and gentlemen. That is our episode of After Later today. We hope you enjoyed it. My name is John Wessling. His name is Tommy Drake. Uh, he's impossible to find. Uh, he has a flip phone and stays off of social media for the most part. But you can find Tommy uh, through our After Later Facebook page if you'd like to communicate with Mr. Drake. And how do they find that, Tom? That's uh, After Later Podcast on Facebook, and you can go ahead and, uh, and tag me in a post, or just post something. If it's if it's to the After Later Podcast, I will read it and uh, reply if replies are appropriate. Or if you just want to school me on how to survive in certain situations, I yes. will I will read that and probably talk about it on a future episode. Yeah, definitely have an open question on where to go uh, if you're driving down the freeway instead of a an overpass. Right, so we need to know that because that that's but that could save our life immediately. So I'll chime in with that if you would. Um, uh, I'm pretty active on Twitter. Uh, you can find me at John Wessling, J O H N W E S S L I N G, or at the show's Twitter, which is after later A F T E R L, the number eight, the letter uh, E R. So uh, thank you so much for listening. Hope you uh, give us a, a rating, a review, a comment, a five star, all that other shit. If you have any negative stuff, uh, please forward that to Tommy at the aforementioned uh, Facebook page. Uh, until next time, 420 Wiener Balls, Boo Boo Lit Fan.